2: Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, host of the morning show, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Rob Black and your money. From time to time, you'll hear me on New Focus on Wealth from 1 to 2, sitting in for CFP, Chad Burton. couple things to start thinking about as far as big stories. There's some big ones today. First and foremost, we got to start with Twitter. Annihilated. Twitter. Yelp. Open Table, uh, Groupon, Zynga, Facebook—all social media companies. LinkedIn. Some of them are a little bit more successful than others. Turns out Zynga needs hits to stay at a 52-week high as far as video games go, social video games. But it's a social company, right? You play it on your phone, you play it with friends. Um, Facebook had an awful quarter four quarters ago. When they first came public, they were not ready to be publicly traded, in the sense that they, they were a big company for a desktop company, but they quickly started seeing that it's switching to mobile fast. So they made that switch, and they've done it pretty darn successfully. Now, here's the issue. Facebook is dominated by everyone. Almost every person I know has an account. And, yes, they say some of the dumbest things possible. Hey, Did you find it weird that the quarterback of Team A, who lost, shook the hand of the referee? (laughs) I'm like, no. It's called being a gentleman. You know, so unfriend, 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 hide, hide, hide kind of thing. Um, So you kind of get to the point where, you know, Facebook's doing all all things right. You don't have to put hashtag, that's weird, or... um, at NFL referee, so the language of Facebook is more mom and pop. The language of Twitter is more nerd. Now, I love Twitter because I can call an amazing amount of news fast. I love Twitter because I can share some of that with you. Now, mom, she ain't ever going to get this one. Soccer mom, uh-uh. It's Facebook, it's some sort of instant messaging, because it is kind of an instant messaging. But it's a little bit more than that. And again, people have to kind of figure it out. If you think it's just about sending a message, it's not. To me, it's about culling places that I would typically have to go out. Like, for instance, when I did this radio show 15 years ago, I literally had to go to 20 websites. I had to get up three extra hours early for doing prep. So I had to read newspapers. And now I can read everything in the New York Times business section eh, in about 10 seconds. The headlines. Now, again, let's do a quick example of this. The headlines on New York Times, when I go to the website, when I go to the business section, uh, I look through it and, like, okay, different gates returning to Microsoft. Sony hopes its fourth overhaul is the one that counts. ECB holds interest rates at one quarter of a percent. Subdued send off, but Jay Leno is exiting on top. GM reports 2% lift in quarterly earnings. Times reports digital subscriber increase, but continue. like. And then I can go to Twitter and just read through all those headlines, but also all the headlines at CBS, all the headlines at CNBC, all the headlines at the Financial Times, all the headlines. And sometimes in headlines, you, you know how it works. You see something that's like, oh, Green Mountain shares explode on $1.25 billion Coke deal. Now, that wasn't at the New York Times. It was on my Twitter feed. So Green Mountain is an interesting story because they just changed who they were. They were a company that made the Keurig coffee, coffee machines, which I own and I love. Uh, why make a pot of coffee when you can make one cup of coffee? Why make a pot of coffee of strong when you want mild, but your spouse wants strong? Why make a pot of coffee when you want tea and she wants coffee like... It's fantastic, trust me. It's perfect temperature. Um, So Green Mountain, but they're a one-trick pony. They make those little pods of coffee. Eh, Right? Starbucks is their own coffee maker now. They're trying not to go after Green Mountain, but now Coca-Cola comes in and buys 10% of Green Mountain, and that's a different company. Okay, wait, wait. You said that's a different company. Which company am I talking about? Who wants to guess? Is Coca-Cola a different company? Is Green Mountain a different company? Or in this case, it's both a different company. And in this case, it's both. So, where does this go? Green Mountain was a company that everyone shorted for you know, to, to high hell. It was a company that it was easy not to like. Um, because it was kind of a one-trick pony. Coca-Cola, on the other hand, has got this legacy issue of being a soda company. Even though they're also a juice company, even though they're also a water company. But now they can get into teas, because, oh, by the way, Green Mountain's coming out with a Soda stream like product, which makes cold beverages, similar to the one that makes the hot beverages. So SodaStream's getting screwed. Green Mountain's up 26% on this news of a partnership with Coca-Cola. What does Coca-Cola have? Coca-Cola's got relationships in every country in the world. Maybe not Afghanistan, I don't know. But I'm assuming... So SodaStream got annihilated yesterday. Today, they did okay. Um, so Coca-Cola and Green Mountain, suddenly like Green Mountain is not just a hot coffee machine maker that's in Americans' homes. Now they get Coca-Cola's reach. What Coca-Cola gets is the single servings, the cold services. Um, they get the non-Coke brand, which sometimes just by putting the name Coca-Cola on it, you can become an evil company, Right. So I think that's a pretty big story. GM quarterly profit misses Wall Street expectations. It was a pretty good quarter for GM. And don't get caught up in that one because GM sells stuff that you have to get out of your house and drive to and see the dealer, and it's cold. And when it's cold, um, well, let's just say your body tenses up, right? I'm just going to stay in today. I'm not going to look for that new car. So General Motors down fractions. That's pulled back enough that I would start to consider looking at it because the labor numbers today, first-time unemployment claims, were better than expected, and GM is suffering from, it was cold. On the West Coast, their products sold really well where it was warm. In the Midwest and Northeast, it was cold and icy, and no one wanted to buy a truck in January. So you kind of get the idea that, I think 34-33 is the downside on this company, and I consider it, um, as a play on an improving labor market, which is continuing to be the story that is the only story that we're really looking at. So I'm not saying go with that, I'm saying that's noteworthy. Um, those are the top stories of the day, you know, Sony cutting jobs, GM quarterly profit miss, but I think it's it's near a bottom. ECB held interest rates um, steady. They're continuing to look at deflationary issues. Twitter, you know, annihilation. AOL had a great quarter. Yelp had a great quarter. Wow. So lots going on, huh? AOL had a great quarter. And what was the th- funniest thing about that is, and they're going to get acquired down the road by someone like a Microsoft, one of the funniest things about the AOL quarter was, and this is, this is funny to me, maybe not to you, their dial-up subscribers held steady. And I know you're thinking, do people really even still use dial-up subscribers? Got a big event coming up, retirement planning and bond alternatives with CFP Chad Burton at the Sheraton Hotel in Pleasanton. What can you do to avoid running out of money in retirement is the big question. Michelle Lerman's going to talk about the five biggest estate planning problems that Hot Market creates. Anything uh, you want to add to this, that would be great. The big event's coming up in Pleasanton. You can sign up at for it at robblack.com. It's robblack.com.
1: Now here's something you don't hear on the black online at robblack.com now back to rob black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW
2: thanks for listening to the show I am Rob Black Some news came out that the target hackers slipped in via a vent but not the way you think of it the maintenance company so they pretended to be maintenance company workers, walked into Targets, had some air compressors and some freeze, you know, some tools that made them look appropriate, and wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. That's how they got in. Now, this story of the Target credit card breach played out in 2013. It's going to be a story for throughout 2014. It's going to get congressional hair on it. I know you're saying, that's gross. (laughs) Gross, 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 gross. Um, Anyway, there's an investment theme there. Tied towards financial companies. Tied towards companies that do transactions and companies that do security. You're going to hear more and more and more about it. Get your calls on the air. Or you can always email me. 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220. The cue here is when I talk about the markets. So the markets are in a funny situation. Starting out the number, starting out the year, with a correction, but the labor markets have improved. That the dip should be bought if you're comfortable and into areas that you need to diversify. It shouldn't be panicked. Does it have another five to ten percent on the downside? It could. It could. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton. How are you today, Chad? Great. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for asking. It's always good to have you in studio talking financials, talking money with me. You often say that you can't start a financial plan without a budget. Now, again, there's a lot of things you need to know about money. Budgeting is one of them. It's probably uh, close to the top of the things that you need to know. Budgeting and goals.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, a true financial planner, a true fiduciary that's going to actually create a financial plan for you is going to be very cash flow oriented. Which means long-term cash flow projections, long-term projections of even your tax bracket, and you can't possibly figure out whether or not you've saved enough or how much you have to save until you know what you're spending now and what you're going to spend in retirement, until you've created a budget. I mean, I can't I can't do anything for people until I know what their expenses are. You know what I mean? Right. Unless, right. unless they unless I can look at their portfolio and say, oh, well, you have way more than you need to retire on. I need a budget. That's it's one of the metrics that you use to. Say, are you meeting your expectations in retirement? Are you meeting your goals or not? So younger people just really need to move slowly and buy what you can afford. That's that's the first thing about budgeting when you're younger, is buy what you can afford. Don't buy what your parents already have. Buy what you can afford, because people are going to be judging you by the size of your portfolio when you retire, not the type of car you drive. So So you're saying the size does matter? Of the portfolio? Right. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. So
2: budgeting, you just brought up a concept. There's retirement budget, but there's also a pre-retirement budget. Is For simpler terms, a pre- like my lifestyle, I need a budget. I need to make sure that I'm not spending more than my paychecks.
3: Yeah, well, you've got to look at the budget and see how long certain things are projected for. You can't just look at your budget if you have young kids right now, especially in the Bay Area if you're in an area where you're using private school. That expense isn't going to be there forever. So some certain expenses uh, – private education, certain kids' costs, you know, the ballet every month, the soccer costs. That's going to go away at some point. But other things come back in in retirement that you've got to project as well. Like most people spend more money in the first five years of retirement than than when they're, their last five years of working because they're, they're doing either the honey-do list or the vacation dream list or buying the RV or the second home. All of that has to be projected. So you have to sit down and say, what do I want my retirement to be like? Am I really going to be happy if I just quit working at age sixty or sixty-five? Do I have hobbies? Do I have things that that excite me that I'm passionate about that I want to do? And how do I fund that? You know, how do you make money work for what you really want your life to be like?
2: So I get the whole Rob Black's lifetime budget. You know, I get what I'm spending, what I'm not spending, what I'm saving, what I'm not saving. Um, I use Mint dot com, which stands for moneyintelligence.com. dot com. It helps me with a budget because it tracks all my spending. Yeah, which is yeah. basically what a budget is: track your spending first and foremost, and then start. You know. Adding other lines into that budget. Uh, what do you think about Mint.com? Um,
3: I think uh, you know, if you can get past the first couple of quarters where it's kind of monotonous, you've got to make sure things get categorized the right way. Sometimes, if you're using certain cards, things can get double booked. So, there's some, definitely some weekly cleanup that you want to do for the first couple of months on mint and then and then hopefully it gets automated for you You sign up your credit cards and and debit cards and then it tracks your spending and helps you categorize that and then you can see how you're doing versus other families in your same kind of zip code area you know you're spending more or less
2: are you cool with uh using an online tool like mint.com where it's tracking your finances and you're not worried about hackers
3: yeah the 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 thing that i've seen is first of all most credit cards and bank cards you're going to have that fifty dollar limit where you're you know, responsible for maybe the first 50 bucks, but you got to keep an eye on it in case something happens so you can shut it down. Most of the bad cases of identity theft that I've seen have to do with mail. Right. You know, the, people that sign up their credit cards online, as long as they have a, a, a pretty recent computer right. with spyware and adware that you're constantly, you know, set your computer up so you're doing a screen every night, obviously, um, it, I think it's a lot safer to pay checks online than to write checks Okay. And and I'm not worried about the, the online theft, but, you know, go ahead and get your identity theft insurance if you want to.
2: So we need to wrap this up a little bit sooner rather than later. We talked a little bit pre-retirement budget. Let's talk post-retirement budget. What are some of the surprises that
3: people need to start
2: allocating for that,
3: that expense? Your dreams, first of all. So you've got to make sure you sit down now and dream what you want your retirement to be like that and budget for that. But don't forget you've got health care costs. Medicare insur- medical insurance isn't free when you turn 65. You have Medicare. You've got to pay for Medicare Part B. That's 115 or so a month or more if you're a successful person and, and have a higher income. And you've got taxes. Most of the money people are retiring with are in their 401K. So you've got a million dollars in your 401K. That's really only 700 grand after taxes. Right? Absolutely. And then inflation, that's the biggest one. Healthcare costs are going up at 5 to 6%. The value of a dollar is cut in half every 18 years, so you can't assume that your, your income will be level in retirement. You've got to be able to increase it with inflation. You can find Chad at NewFocusFinancial.com. That's NewFocusFinancial.com
2: or ChadBurton.com. He is a CFP. So remember how I've already told you the story that... Green Mountain is exploding on a relationship with Coca Cola. It's a 10% investment by Coca Cola. There was an instant reaction that SodaStream went down, and now SodaStream's moving up. And that's probably because, with a Coca Cola company as a strategic, uh, strategic you know, partner, it just is going to bring more attention to the at home beverage system. Potential thought here is, is that maybe this makes Pepsi. Make a move, and who's the only other make-your-own soda at-home company out there? Could be SodaStreet. Interesting. The way Wall Street works, initial reaction was, uh-oh, competition is going to get them. Then almost instantly, that turned into maybe competition will acquire them. Interesting, no? So coming up, I'm going to be talking a little Bitcoin with the thestreet.com. A little Bitcoin. What's going on? What you need to know, and more. Going to be speaking with Joe Doe, talking about Bitcoin and some of the thoughts tied towards the cryptocurrency.
1: Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW, and iHeart Radio station.
2: Little Lumineers, quote unquote hipster music. I don't know. (laughs) Joining me now, Joe Doe economics analyst for the street.com or the street. How are you, Joe? Great. How you doing, sir? Doing well. It's good to have you back on again. We're going to talk a little Bitcoin. Let's bring everyone up to speed just in case they've been under a rock. What is Bitcoin and why do we care?
4: Bitcoin, uh, quite simply, is a digital currency that allows for individuals to uh by theory uh buy and sell in a cryptocurrency format. in other words, it is a currency not tied down to uh, distribution by a federal government uh, instead, it is digitally mined and uh, uh, digitally uh traded so that that 's kind of the short way of explaining it uh, i'm sure a lot of people still don 't know what it is, but uh it, you know it 's pretty simply uh, a digital form of currency uh that is not tied down to a government.
2: Now, what does digitally mined mean? Because I think we lose some of our listeners on that right there.
4: Yeah. So the whole idea first created in '09, was that um, either one person or a group of people, there's no certainty as to who exactly it was, um, said, okay, well, in order for Bitcoin to have value, it has to be there, – there There can only be so much of it. It's like a resource in the ground type of thing. Um, and so they created a specific amount of Bitcoin that had to be quote-unquote mined. Uh, the mining is like an, uh, a logarithm, right? So um, coders or uh, whoever uh, go on and try to figure out different codes, essentially, uh, to pull Bitcoin out of the program. Um and then, uh, miners, you know, receive Bitcoin for, for mining the Bitcoin. Uh, and a part of it also is after each transaction, um, there's a digital trail left. And to keep the system from being all cluttered up, uh, the miners go and they kind of repackage these Bitcoins, uh, you know, to, you know, to tie up any loose ends in the program. Essentially, it's a—it sounds like you know a pretty efficient uh, digital program to uh, you know keep the system running at uh, full capacity, uh, but at the same time limiting the amount of Bitcoin that is actually in the world at any time, um, which uh, adds adds value to it, right? So it's a supply and demand situation.
2: Are Bitcoins real? Do they look the size of a quarter? Is there you know
4: uh, zinc in them, or are they just digital <laughs> currencies? You know, I've talked to a number of people who say that uh, there are some physical Bitcoins out there. Um, uh, So if you're thinking of it the way you do of money or dollars or euros or or British pounds, there are apparently uh, physical coins that are made. Um, But for the most part, it is all digitally uh, accounted for. In other words, each person who owns a Bitcoin has a Bitcoin account. Um, their name isn't on the account; it's just a number, essentially, and you hold the access to that account. Uh, and so, when you trade a Bitcoin, it goes to uh, another person uh, in in their account. And you know, again, it's supposedly anonymous. It's not entirely true that the whole thing's anonymous, especially when you talk to people who've been around the space for a while. Uh, but it certainly isn't uh, similar to like your bank account. Um, yeah. Digital currencies aren't new. They're, they're really old, in fact. And, like, I've
2: got a credit card that they give me 2% back on everything I purchased, but they give it to me in, quote-unquote, points, and I could use those points to go out and buy things or convert it to cash. So I'm comfortable with that. But why am I uncomfortable with the idea of getting paid in bitcoins, even though I'm seeing retailers signing up for getting paid in bitcoins?
4: Yeah, it's, uh, it's incredibly, first of all, new idea. Mm-hmm. New concept and volatile market. Uh, so there is a small market for Bitcoin. Uh, anybody who's heard of Bitcoin has probably heard about it in the past few months. Uh, maybe they heard about it a little bit before, but more popularly, it's become known in the past few months because uh, Bitcoin in dollar terms uh, rose to nearly as much as a $1,000 per Bitcoin, Um but it also, during that rise, saw some incredibly volatile days that showed the price of a bitcoin uh trading at a range of about a hundred dollars difference so you would you know for example, in the morning, you might buy a bitcoin at $800 and then by the afternoon a few hours later it's dropped to $700 but then by the evening it's jumped back up to uh you know $805 so uh there's that and also it's a it's an illiquid market right so there since, since there aren't a lot of buyers and sellers it's not like if you or i decide one day that i'm going to offload you know a, a lot of bitcoin right so it's say i own 10 bitcoin right i mean or, or or even larger let's say you know 800 bitcoin well 800 bitcoin multiplied by you know however much the bitcoin's worth at that moment uh doesn't mean there's necessarily that many buyers in the market who want that bitcoin so you can't just say oh well i want to go ahead and exchange my bitcoin for dollars immediately you know when you travel to uh, the uk you show up and you say, "Okay, well, I've got you know $500 that I want to exchange into, you know, turn into uh, to, to pounds." Okay, well, that's not really a problem. There's quite a market for that currency exchange, but Bitcoin doesn't have uh, that uh, first, you know, it doesn't have that kind of attention that people know about it, and then there's just not enough people in the market for that kind of exchange to happen so quickly.
2: Speaking with Joe Doe, the Street's economic analyst. You can find him at thestreet.com and other sites as well. Um, Talking a little bit coin, you've recently done some research or you've recently uncovered some research on Bitcoin. What did the survey tell you?
4: It told us that just 24% of the country has actually heard of Bitcoin. Uh, so that that was that was the top line thing. In other words, three of every four people have never heard of Bitcoin before which probably doesn't come as a surprise to too many people Um, in kind of in the world of, you know, business and economics. It has become a pretty well-known, you know, cryptocurrency or or new type of discussion. Uh, but, But it seems like, at least according to our survey, outside of those circles, most people still have no clue that it exists. Um, That isn't to say that, you know, no one will ever know what it is. I mean, it's a five-year-old currency. Uh, Most most people who started, you know, the majority of people who know about it seem to have become aware of it uh, in 2013. Uh, So, you know, it would be interesting to see where we're at in a year or two years from now.
2: I'm sure you've done plenty of research on this because you're in media, I'm in media, and... You're more of a journalist than I am, and more of an economist than I am. But it, it stuns me that some people are saying it's going to last. Some people say it's a bubble; it's going to zero. Why are experts so torn on
4: this? I, that's farmers will never figure it out if experts can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think the you know experts are, are the people who feel like they uh, you know are fairly familiar with uh, markets and, and trading. There, there's one side of it which is. You know, it's a, it's it's a currency that is not attached to is not backed by a federal government, um, and and that's just very foreign. With the exception of say gold, right, which a lot of people argue is a currency, uh, you know, is a form of currency as it has been used as a currency in you know centuries past and whatnot. Uh, it, it's still not the same as gold, right? Gold, Gold's value is uh, derived from centuries and centuries and centuries. You know, history, human history has always seen gold as a valuable asset. We've said so, right? Um, Bitcoin is five years old. Uh, so there's that, right? It's like, who, who's going to trust a currency that isn't backed by a federal government? Uh, well, on the other end, uh the, the same people might say well when you really dive into the the details and the intricacies of this new currency it, it it seems pretty smart um in terms of you know the supply and demand of it right so the the mining part um and also there's a lot of people looking at it as maybe it's not a currency so much as it is uh a way to to exchange money right uh it, you know uh the discussion about hey who will what will bitcoin affect in terms of companies you know the first name that pops up is paypal uh and then there's discussion of the the credit card companies right um people essentially argue that bitcoin uh, you know they don't argue i mean there there is no fee on bitcoin exchange right now so if you and i if i, I want to give you 15 bitcoin I can send it to you from my account to your account and not have to pay a fee for that transfer. Whereas, obviously, there's a small bit of a fee taken when you do some sort of a transfer with, say, yeah, Western Union or PayPal. Uh, And and I think that's where the discussion right now has a lot of traction. So, you know, to to say that, oh, it's just in the currency discussion, I I think would be – Incorrect, and I think that's why it's gained a lot of uh, of interest, and that's because people are still really trying to figure out well, what is this because it's not. It doesn't. When you have hedge fund managers going out and saying we're taking a look at this as a tradable asset, and you have major U.S. banks writing research notes about it, it says that there are a number of people who think. There's something to it. They're just not quite sure what it is. And I I think it may take a few more years for them to figure that out. And and in a few more years, they could say, hey, there's no worth to Bitcoin. It's a total waste of time. Um, But on the other end, I I think uh, smarter people than you and I are hesitant to go ahead and declare that right because uh, they want to see if there is a way to uh, monetize it or or otherwise.
2: Thanks very much, Joe. Talk to you soon. It's Joe Doe with The Street. You can find him at the street.com. His last name is D E A U X. Very thoughtful, very insightful. Talking Bitcoin with us here. Take a break here. Be right back. Everything.
1: 1220
2: KBOW. In economics, there's no right answer. There's just compromise. One of the things that I try to do again and again and again is show you don't be fearful. Don't go all into the market. Don't go all out of the market. Have a plan. One of the reasons I say don't be fearful is history. Look at the last 100 years. Take a look at the last 10-year periods in those last 100 years. And know that we've seen World War I, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, War in Iraq I, War in Iraq II. We've seen low oil. In my lifetime as an investor, it's been as low as 30 bucks a barrel. It's been as high as 150 bucks a barrel. So we've seen inflation. We've seen deflation. We've seen everything in between. We've seen presidents assassinated. We've seen nuclear bombs explode. And the market still hit an all-time high in the month of January. Markets hit all-time highs on a regular basis, on a yearly basis. When you invest in, quote-unquote, the market, you're investing in capitalism. Capitalism is a play on consumers. Consumers want to consume product. Now, it starts to get a little bit messy because... Capitalism, according to one of my favorite economists, is creative destruction. And I know you're saying, who's your favorite economist? Uh, That would be Joseph Schumpeter. So, one of my tenets is, you can't get fearful. And, you know, Warren Buffett says it better. Be greedy when others are fearful, be fearful when others are greedy. But one of mine is that you can't afford to be out of the market, because it's capitalism and it's consumers, now, when unemployment spikes to 10, 11, 12, 13%, it's going to be a rough market. It's going to be horrible. But capitalism tends to, to fix itself. It tends to heal, sometimes slowly. As the, 19, as the 2008 Great Recession showed us, the jobless recovery was painfully slow. But it, it came back. Still not where we want it to be, but it came back. And that recession did what? It created the investment opportunity of a lifetime. In five years, the market recovered 190%. You can't get that in a house. You can't get that in a mouse. You can't get that in a louse. I don't even know what that means. But the point being, if there is a point being at this point in time, is that as long as unemployment doesn't stay high for a prolonged period of time, you're going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Now, you would hope that our economists today have you know figured out ways of maximizing employment and keeping inflation as low as possible. Commodity prices are too high right now for me to say that I believe there's a global recession happening. Too high. Too high. Commodities are a smart market. Bonds are a smart market. Stock market is a discounting market. So I can't afford to be afraid in this market. I see Disney at an all-time high, and I look at who's Disney's competitors, They created a a watch recently or band that you can wear at Disney and it basically tells you, okay, now you can get on Magic Mountain. Okay, now you can have your princess breakfast. And basically what it's doing is, it's efficiently managing traffic. And that's a very, very odd concept for a lot of people. But one of the reasons I'm so excited about Google Google cars, self-driving cars, and there's going to be a lot of them in the next five years, is that it will efficiently manage traffic so that it puts the proper distance between vehicles that you're in the middle of the lane you're not bouncing left and right left and right like a nervous you know uh, anxious sort of freak so those efficiencies create you know timeliness create better use of roads create fewer accidents fewer accidents means you're not calling in sick because your back hurts um, so I, I'm a big fan of capitalism, as you can see. I'm a big fan of things moving forward. Disney just reported its greatest quarter ever. The movie Frozen. And you know that sometimes Disney, they called uh, the Lion King their B movie. The A movie that they had their best illustrators working on was Pocahontas. That's kind of funny, right? If you listen to the Disney earnings report last night, it was just a blowout. $1.38 billion. Um the studio killed it. It's a very solid quarter. ESPN killed it. Now at some point in time, the people who are cutting cords, that trend, that will hit ESPN if that trend continues. Or will they have an app that people can pay for online sports so they they can stream their TVs? When will the teeter totter switch from ESPN, ABC, Disney, all co- owned by the same company? Where they they favor the cable companies, but at what point in time do they say, you know what? Uh, we're going to put this online. We're going to put this sporting event online, and you can stream it to whatever device you want. There's already one called ESPN Go, but you have to have a cable subscription to activate it. Same thing with HBO Go. And when that happens, the cable companies become very, very messy investments. Right now, they've got sports to drive. They, you stay with us, otherwise you're not going to be able to watch the live games. And again, that's already getting you know worked around. Major League Baseball and NHL and probably... Uh, NBA I'm just not an NBA fan so I don't know I know you can buy a whole season packages and stream them to your devices like Roku and Apple TV so much going on much going on and it's it's all painfully obvious Twitter just reported a quarter that was awful they earned money sooner than they ex- were expected and it was awful Wall Street doesn't want them to earn money Wall Street wants them to report strong revenues to support strong user growth Google has 14 billion dollars of revenue. Facebook 2.3 billion in ad sales. Yahoo 553 million. Twitter 220 million. LinkedIn 88 million. So Twitter's got more than LinkedIn. Telling you that okay, I see some mess here. But how much time do we give them? First and foremost, never buy an IPO in the first year. Let all the insiders flush away their shares that advice worked on facebook 9 months, 12 months, somewhere in that area is when you could start looking at these companies or you scale into them on a 5-year plan so you basically let the insider sell through time so twitter's got better revenue ad revenue than linkedin that's worthy of noting although their metrics on growth very very slow i'm rob black you can find me online at robblack.com AM
1: 1220 KDO to a new earlier time. And we don't want you to miss a minute of Joe Lef-
2: Might be the day I drop out of school. Success, not a statistic. Sifle. Informative.
1: Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network
2: Let's talk about this. No, no, no. Let's talk about that. No, no, no. Let's talk about this. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing, to say the least. There's enough there that tells me all is not lost. January was a rough month, 5% correction on the markets. Could there be more? Absolutely. Um, there's there's <laughs> a story that I ran into Uh, last year that I just found hilarious. And, again, it it shows you that social media is a dominant theme in our lives. We're good. There was a fitness studio, Pure Power Boot Camp, that posted on Yelp. Um, Some of her, some of the employees of this company, opened a rival fitness studio 15 blocks away. The new studio didn't just imitate the, you know, uh, Workouts of, you know, stock. the stockbroker basically started a workout studio is the bottom line here. Um, Somehow the name's Yelp page got named, instead of Pure, it got named Puke. Puke Power Boot Camp. And that can kill you on Yelp. Who wants to work out at a place called Puke, right? So Yelp is in the news because they reported earnings. And revenues it delivered a great fourth quarter. Yelp launching a food service. Uh, that's interesting, where the food comes to you. I would like to see Yelp at some point in time potentially acquire um, like an open table. So it seems like there would be some natural inline going there. But last year Yelp announced that they're, you know, you could order food, you could book reservations. Um, there'll be a food delivery angle through Delivery.com or Eat24. Yelp was a very unattractive company on the desktop. Yelp became a very attractive company on mobile. Facebook was a pretty good company on desktop. Facebook became a great company when they s- switched to mobile. And, again, we can get into the debate of are people oversharing. The answer is yes. Um, Will it die out over time if kids don't, you know, continue to have stickiness with it? The answer is yes. Um, But too early for that. Yelp just announced its fourth quarter earnings. Company beat on revenue. It hit on earnings. Stock uh, up 8% on that news. Revenue $70 million. Earnings 3 cents. I also expect about $67 million. Yelp has a problem where, a lot of their content, this is a problem that's good and bad. Their content's basically developed by the public. Their average monthly unique visitors grew 39% from 86 million. I can tell you I'm guilty of flying into a city and jumping, on, jumping into a GPS car and jumping on Yelp and finding you know, the best steak or the best Italian that a city has to offer. Um, Yelp's got $4 million in cash, so it's a small play. I think they could be acquired by a bigger guy like a Google. I think they could be acquired by a Facebook. I think they could be acquired by a Microsoft or Apple. It would help Apple probably the most because, again, it seems to be a very mobile gadgety kind of company. Um, With that said, other stories in the news today. Um, Not the best of quarters for Twitter. They earned money and they showed... Like a billion people have signed up for Twitter, but they've only got like 250 million people using it. Like, whoops. People sign up and they quit. So don't tell us the sign-up numbers anymore. Oh, and the sign-up numbers that you got this quarter were awful. Um, Disney had a massive quarter. Coca-Cola did something interesting today. They reinvented themselves with a 10% acquisition of Green Mountain. Green Mountain was a company that makes cured coffee machines and makes the pods, which you know the patent for those pods of coffee was very valuable until it expired. Um, it, we get it. We see the issue. But both companies got stronger, because Coca-Cola got into cold beverages, made it home, and hot beverages made at home, particularly coffee and tea, which you don't think of Coca-Cola as a coffee and tea kind of company. Um, so it's interesting yesterday set a storm, SodaStream went down on this news because they make cold beverage machines that you can make your own sodas at home. Green Mountain's getting in that business. So you look at it and it's like, uh-oh, Coca-Cola's got the, the reach, the advertising dollars to really hurt this one for SodaStream. And then you start putting it together and you remember at one point in time, Pepsi bought an orange juice company, Coke bought an orange juice company. Coke bought a water company, Pepsi bought a water company. And what's kind of interesting about it, it's not Coke water. It's Desani. It's Vesani because that's Italian. And you know where they get that Italian water from? A tap in your neighborhood. And that's, to me, hilarious. People would pay for bottled water. Financially, some of the dumbest people on the planet. And when I say that, I really mean it. To get your call on the show. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. 1220 It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. 1220 Twitter down 20%. Yelp up 20%. Hmm. Twitter's big problem is, and they've got an interface problem. It's tough for me, and I consider myself tech literate. Twitter's big problem is that if you're a hot chick or like a modely kind of guy, or maybe even an athletic guy who doesn't do a lot of tech, or a soccer mom or a dad who works too many hours and likes to come home, have a beer and watch TV. Twitter's got some nuances to it, like the hashtag thing. So I send out a tweet, talk with Joe Doe about Bitcoin. Hashtag digital currency. Hashtag uh, real or fake. Hashtag the street. Or at the street. And then... That whole system kind of figures out, okay, the hashtags, will send the message to that. If anyone types that in, then people can follow that hashtag. That hashtag can take on its life of its own. Um, sending it to briefing or sending it to the street so they could, you know, anyone who follows the street will see it because it's tied towards it. Um, so it's got kind of a little bit of a literacy issue that you have to know what hashtag means. And, again, if you need to know what hashtag means, Google, YouTube, Jimmy Fallon, and um, His singer friend. Oh, no, I'm drawing a blank. Um, That's what you can tell when you lose your energy in the morning. Um, Fallon, hashtag, YouTube, Timberlake, Justin Timberlake. So it's a hilarious YouTube video of Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake talking about what a hashtag is. Uh, if you don't know. Anyway, 800 516 to get calls in there, It's 800 One of the big stories in the Bay Area is rents in San Francisco. And a new study by Trulia shows that, yes, rents are being pushed sky high because of tech companies. Basically, rents rose 3.3% in the nation's 100 biggest metropolitan areas in January, but they rose 5.7% in the 10 biggest tech hubs. And that's going to continue until more development of cheap housing. And cheap housing basically means sky rises. And if you live in the city, you don't want more sky rises. It's a very problematic problem, filled with, with hairy problems. We'll take a break here. You can find me online at robblack.com, robblack.com. Think of it coming up in Pleasanton. You can learn more at robblack.com.
1: Ah, the sound of small business getting busier. Can you tell which one is using AT&T? Truth is, they... Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: My generation had a little
3: bit of rage,
2: a little bit of Corgan. Now he had rage for different reasons a daddy issue that was R-rated and I can't talk about. But um, my generation kind of grew up a little bit late. Now, we didn't have the problems that the current... Millennials are facing 20somethings, pushing it to mid-30s. Um, there's an issue out there, and I find this to be noteworthy of talking about, of we're becoming a renter nation. And what does that mean? First and foremost, you have to relax and, and just try to grasp that thought. I think we're becoming a renter nation. And I think that's a problem. I think that's a real big problem. In large part, areas that have jobs, you're seeing prices get pushed up aggressively. I'm um, going you to know, talk about that in a little bit more color. People do want to, you know, own a home. American Dreams always had that you know white picket fence two and a half kids. I have said home, but my home happens to be in an area that doesn't have a lot of inventory. So one day when I'm done with it, I'll just turn it into a rental. It's in a great school district. Now, 10, 15, 20, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50 years from now, maybe it won't be a good school district. But people are willing to pay above average rents to be in a good school district. I've been talking about, if I were 20-something right now, I'd move to Oakland until I had a wife and kids. And then buy a home as soon as you can in Oakland. I think that's what money is doing right now. It's going to where homes are affordable. And then you get your baby and you sell that house and you move to the better school district. Now, again, I'm just making a broad statement, and I don't know this to be true. I'm not that dad who knows everything about school districts in Oakland versus the peninsula. I'm assuming Oakland schools are rated lower than peninsula schools. But if I'm 20-something, I'm buying a house or I'm buying something in a cheap part of the world. And in the Bay Area, the cheap part of the world is east of the Bay. The further out you go, the more you can do. I would buy because of low interest rates, and I would buy because you're going to need at some point in time to sell it and take that equity to a, a more expensive school district, if that's your thing. Um Prices of homes in areas should be based on incomes, but they're not right now. In select parts, they're not based on incomes. Uh, you know, bidding is based on the rent that you think you can generate is the thought. I have a low-cost mortgage that I can rent that house any year, and I could, you know, make an extra $20,000, $30,000 on top of it just from the rent. So homes are becoming less affordable for folks who want to buy, making renting a much more viable option. So we're kind of becoming a renter nation. Now, on top of that, I think there's an angle that we need to discuss that, you know, tech prices are, and I've got a great article if anyone wants a copy of it. Um, it's tied towards, you know, what's driving up the prices of homes uh, in, the, in San Francisco. You've, you've heard the argument. You've heard the anger. I know you have on Google buses and Facebook buses. And I don't think there's a winning scenario here other than to say you're going to have to live with it. And that's not what most people want to hear. So San Francisco long blamed the technology sector for rising rents. And I lived in San Francisco uh, 12 years ago, a little bit less than that, seven years ago, eight years ago. Um... And it was great. It was a golden age. It was wonderful. So, Truya and I paid a lot in rent. Uh, owning a place, you pay a lot in owning a place. But that kind of, it came with the territory of San Francisco. Like, you don't buy rent without knowing that you're going to, you know, either live in the Tenderloin, or if you want to live in Pack Heights, you're going to pay a premium. But rents are rising faster year over year. Um Rents rose 3.3% of the nation's 100 biggest metropolitan areas. and That's like Seattle, Portland, Houston. Uh, but the real specific tech hubs rose 5.7%. There's a lack of new housing construction in many tech centers to the technology industry's presence in areas that command top dollar. Um, there was a study done by a college student, and she basically looked at buses. You know, the Google bus stations in San Francisco and the, the bus stations. Areas within five minutes had much higher rent increases in the last three years than areas that were more like a 20-minute walk. So five-minute walk, you paid a, a big premium to be walking distance to the bus. Fascinating, right? San Francisco tops the list with a 12.3% rise to a median average of 3300 for a two-bedroom apartment. The city has seen unrest tied towards home prices in recent months say the least, well-compensated tech workers. Um, They're saying, I want to rent your house. So you're seeing landlords evict people or raise the rent. They don't care if you're a doctor. If you want to pay a higher rent, you can stay. If not, move on out. I'll get an engineer to come on in. So some residents have made fortunes through tech, for sure. And these tech people who have made a lot of money... They shouldn't be blamed because they want to live in the city. The city's great. It's fantastic. So one of the things they did was they sacrificed their educational years, and, and they earned an education where they could get paid well. Tom Perkins recently penned a criticism for comparing the treatment of wealthy Americans to the Nazi persecution of the Jews. That's kind of where we're at, where if you live in San Francisco and you rent, and again, I know people in this building who who are like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I cut cable because I can't afford my rent anymore. They, they jacked it up on me again. I'm like, fascinating. So, but whose fault is it? it I, I think it's the city and the development of, of not enough low-quality or low-income housing. I think if I were a landlord, I would want to raise rents. Hey, if the apartment underneath uh, or the building next to me has, you know, 1,000 square feet for 3,000 bucks, I've got 1,000 square feet for $500. bucks. i would want to raise that rent, right? It's what the market's asking. Asking prices for houses for sale in tech hubs rose in line with national trends. Home prices in January rose an average of 13.4%. In the nation's 10 largest tech hubs, only 11.4%. Uh, 13.4 versus 11.4. So the spike in rents much higher than the spike in owning, as far as cost for owner, cost for renting. Tech hubs tend to have fewer homes stuck in foreclosure, which is also interesting in changing the pricing of homes. So I don't think there's anyone to blame. I think everyone's to blame. Because if I were the landlord, I wanted jack rents. I already told you I started the segment by saying, you know, I bought a home that is in a good school district, and I got an incredible low rate. I think some people are going to have to learn that we have to change the way it's we, we value things. And one area where we can you know change it is Prop 13. Prop 13, if you own a house, you have no reason to sell it. So you could rent it for a lot cheaper than someone who has to buy one right next to you. Same thing goes in San Francisco, and that's a bit of a problem. That's an area that where Prop 13 is hurting. Yes, Prop 13 helps people who bought 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 20 years ago. It's not helping people who buy today. And you know one of the big fears now is, is that our government's going to do something to give renters an incentive. I.e., another handout, right? Just what we need. Anyway, um, lots going on. Lots going on, to say the least. Sony is stumbling. They're basically getting rid of their TVs. They're getting out of PCs. They're cutting 5,000 jobs. They're losing 1.1 billion dollars. Who's on their, their tombstone? Apple? Who is it? Is it Samsung? Combination? When I was in high school, the cool gadget was a Sony Walkman. If you had that, girls would bet that. You know, like, there was instant chemistry. Like, you had some material possession that was cool. Now that's either an Apple product or a Samsung product in the high school world, per se. I don't know if it's 100% true because I'm not in high school. GM profit missed expectations due to weather. Uh, any weakness around here, I'd consider looking at it. I think it holds $33, $32 well. It's a nice dividend. It should benefit from an improving job market if you believe in that improving job market theory. Um, and they seem to have better product than ever before. So I'd also look at Ford on any weakness on an improving job market thesis. So Coca-Cola is going to let people make drinks from home. Interesting. Green Mountain shares exploding on the 10% investment from Coca-Cola into Green Mountain. Green Mountain makes curd coffee machines. Single cup coffee, which is, I think, the way to go. Cuts down on waste. But even more importantly, I think it's, it's fresher and hotter. Um, so Coke instantly gets into hot beverages, whether it be tea or coffee or hot chocolate. Coke also gets into cold beverages that you make at home. That's very interesting. And both companies, I think, benefit. Coke knows everyone everywhere. Green Mountain now knows everyone everywhere. In the world of distribution, pretty powerful. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. I'm here. You're there. Don't be shy. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Take a break here. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Don't be-
1: Black and Your Money, on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station.
2: Let's hit some of the stories that I missed today. Keep in mind, if you missed the first hour, you missed a good interview with Joe Doe from the street talking about Bitcoin. Um, you can get a copy of the podcast at kdow.biz. It's kdow.biz, or you can get it iTunes. Both are free under Rob Black and Your Money. How did Americans manage to lose 119 billion dollars a year last year gambling? We're number 1 at losing money. Um, congratulations to us, right? China's second at 76 billion. That's a huge sum of money. Japan 31 billion. It's a crazy amount of money more than Bill Gates worth 72 billion dollars or Warren Buffett worth 58 billion and only 11 billion less than the, you know, two men put together. So people gamble and lose lots and lots of money, a massive amount of stimulus that could go into our economy is going down the kind of the rat hole into the um, house per se. The house always wins. It gives us escapism. It gives us entertainment. It deals with boredom. It's social activity. There's a thrill to it. It helps our self-esteem when we're winning. $119 billion. That's just a lunatic number. Other stories that I didn't quite get to, or maybe I did. Amazon just uh, unleashed its ten its ten uh, new pilots, and you get to pick which ones that you want them to develop. Look pretty interesting. Um, so if you were to YouTube search Amazon uh, new original shows, ten new original shows. So they've just released a. Uh, what is it, a video reel of what they all look like in under two or three minutes. Um, One of the shows is going to be directed by the creator of The X-Files. You know, where's he been? Amazon borrowed $400 million smartly yesterday. They know what works. They know that long serialized dramas like Breaking Bad and Lost are good. They're going to start developing their own content for a reason, because content deals are the reason Apple and the reason Intel haven't come out with a device for the TV yet. You know, an Apple true Apple TV. Intel got out of the business. They sold it to Verizon. Recently, there was a mysterious power station attack, and that worries the whole in- industry for sure. It was in San Jose. It began at 1 a.m., and basically some snipers opened fire on an electrical substation. They shot for 19 minutes. They knocked out 17 giant transformers that funneled power to Silicon Valley. A minute before a police car arrived, the shooters disappeared. No one really knows. It looks like terrorism, but you can't really say. It is a terrorist act, for sure. Now, some smart PG&E officials transferred power quickly and diverted a blackout. But we're vulnerable, and that's something you always will have in a stock market. Potential things that you didn't expect. It's always going to be there. Some other stories that I would have liked to get to that I didn't get to. Um, AOL had a great quarter. Strongest revenue growth in a decade. Um, I'm a little freaked out by CEO Tim Armstrong. He's got some really, really bad veneers or teeth issues that are just, just not done correctly, if you know what I'm saying. AOL's earnings for the quarter were pretty impressive. Um, AOL says the strongest revenue growth of the company in a decade. A lot of people think that they're going to eventually be acquired by someone like a Microsoft, an Apple, uh, someone big. They've got 120 million monthly unique visitors to their websites on average for the quarter. Um, Interesting breakout, AOL took a 5.8 million charge related to laying off staff members from the local news service patch very, very good quarter, and it's not something that you say out loud very often. Um, there was even something that snicker out when they mentioned in their conference called it Dial-Ups. People still dial up to the internet on modems. Dial-Ups went sideways. Yeah, I know, right? Anheuser-Busch is buying one of New York's biggest craft breweries. They're buying Blue Point Brewing Company, the Long Island-based beer maker known for its toasted lager. To me, this just sounds like Anheuser-Busch is going to mess it up. I don't think the Russian River has anything to fear yet. Blue Point produced 60,000 barrels last year, half of which was the toasted lager. The brewery also makes Hoptical Illusion and Blueberry Ale, amongst other seasonal expressions. Um, there's just been a lot of M&A recently, a lot of M&A. Um, and, you know, beer lovers are a unique group. They're not. Uh, they're spenders. So in craft brew, eh, you know, I'll give it a little bit of a, maybe not the strongest trend to invest in, but it's certainly done pretty well for some companies like Boston Beer. If you get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. Sony is shutting down their PC's business. Well, they're spinning it off. They're selling it. They're spinning off the TV divisions. They're selling the TV uh, making unit. Uh, cutting 5,000 jobs. They once owned the television business. And their PCs once were very, very nice alternatives to HP, Compact, and Dells. It's the Vio division uh, being sold to an investment firm. It's kind of sad. I mean, I'm not going to (laughs) cry. Maybe I am going to cry. As a grown man, grown men, power cries are not attractive. Uh, Yelp, great quarter. Stock surged after a great fourth quarter, up 20%. Twitter showed earnings. What? You weren't supposed to earn money. You were supposed to grow users, and their users were anemically growth. That stock down 20%. Never buy an IPO in the first nine months. Never, ever, never do it, unless you're going to trade it. And it's totally different than, than buying it, right? 800 um, 516 Disney's quarter was preposterously great, and they have a whole new franchise in Frozen. They have a whole new franchise in Captain America and Avengers. They're going to come out next year with Star Wars? Are you kidding me? Holy mackerel, they are loaded. I've done that one for 40 years. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. Twitter, Rob Black Show. Facebook, Cron 4, Rob Black.
0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black.